0: have a a Savior who was with us through it all. If you ever been through anything, just a little something, something. One of those situations where you know you can't do it on your own. One of those times where you know that the weight is too heavy for you to carry. One of those times where the ATM just ain't got the money in there. One of those times where no matter what you said to your son or daughter, they just ain't listening. But through it all, it's through the heartaches, it's through the pains, it's through the suffering and it's through the pain. That's when, that's when we learn to depend upon God and his word. That's when the word of God becomes more than just words on a piece of paper. It's through it all is when God's word becomes the sustenance for life. In the midst of the situations and circumstances is where we see the face of Jesus shine the brightest. Praise God for his faithfulness. Unto us, for we are not deserving, but because of his grace and his mercy, he has brought us through to see this day, February the 11th, 2018. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise for his faithfulness and His love that is from everlasting to everlasting. Praise God for our praise team who has prepared our hearts. Thank them for their service each and every week. Amen. Well, it's good to be with you, Forrest. And I say welcome to each and every one of you to another worship service with the church gathered at Forest Baptist. And to all of our guests, I pray that the Lord will continue to be with you upon this day that his face would shine brightly upon you that he would give you eyes to see and ears to hear Uh, his word and you would understand that you do have a purpose and he does have a plan and he wants to use you for his glory Um, and that goes for each and every one of us God wants to use you for his glory, for his purposes Uh, not to put your name on display but that his name will be put on display Uh, and my Bible says that When Jesus is lifted up, when the Savior is lifted on high, he will draw all boys, girls, men and women unto him. Amen. Amen. Well, on this morning, if you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew, the 28th chapter. We'll be looking at verses 16 through 20, a text familiar, familiar to us. A text has been referred to many times as the Great Commission. And as we do, I just want to recap, last week was part two of this new series we have started on why on earth is the church. Uh, a series just exploring the purpose and plan and uh, the reasons that the church is even here right now. The last two weeks, we took time to answer the question, what is the church? And we just talked about a few things that the church is. The church is the uh, the the particular gathering of God's people. Uh, The church is the place that uh, has the name of Jesus stamped on it, a divine institution created for and by Jesus himself. Uh, The church, metaphorically speaking, has been compared to a bride in Scripture, uh, showing off her beauty, showing off Jesus' eternal love for this bride. But then the church has also been described as the body. This connectivity that we have with with Jesus Christ being the head, but also with one another. And that we can't do as much as we think we can by ourselves. So it is through the scriptures we are learning and seeing just why on earth is the church. So if you would... Please stand in honor the reading of God's word. Matthew, the 28th chapter, beginning with the 16th verse. This is the word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. May the Lord have a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. Simply tag the text for us as this continuation of our series. This morning we'll be exploring the question, what is the mission of the church? What is the mission of the church? Let us go, go before the Lord in prayer this morning. Gracious Father, Holy Father, Marvelous and wonderful God, we come this morning. We come this morning to honor you for who you are. You are creator and sustainer of all things, worthy of our affection, adoration, and praise. Father, this morning we come to say thank you. Thank you for Christ Jesus and the forgiveness of sin we have through his blood. Now, through Christ, we may be reconciled with you. But not only that, Lord, you have filled us with your Holy Spirit that we will understand and that you would lead us and guide us and that we would know that you are near. You are, even though you are transcendent, above all, yet you are imminent. You are near to us and you care about our everyday lives. You care about our through-it-alls. You, you care about the, the tough times just as much as you care about the good times. You care about when we have and when we don't have. But, but Lord, through it all, we, we learn to depend and to trust in you alone, dear God. For that, Father, we just say thank you. Thank you, Father, for bringing us through another week's journey and allowing us to gather corporately to lift your name up to worship and adore you to encourage one another in godliness through your word. Now, Father, upon today, I ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon us in a new, fresh, and amazing, and awesome ways. Father, have mercy upon us by giving us eyes to see and ears to hear. Please give us hearts that are ready, willing, and able to receive your word with joy and gladness. May you open our minds to the scriptures that we would love Jesus deeply and it would be reflected in all that we say and all that we do, that we would not merely be hearers of your word, but we would actually go out and do your word. So Father, even now the preaching moment, as we wage warfare against Satan and his minions, Lord, I do ask that you would go before us and fight. us now oh God use your word as a weapon to defeat Satan and his foolishness that we would defeat the enemy because of your word Father I beg that you would use my foolish words Make much of you. These things we do ask in the precious and the glorious and awesome name of Jesus the Christ. We do pray. Amen. 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 Here in my hands is a simple tool. And probably already at just the sight of it, you know exactly what this tool is. It's not too fancy, not too big, but not too small either. In my hands, I hold a hammer. And just by looking at this hammer, we know what it's supposed to be used for. But this hammer could be used for many different things. This, this, this hammer, if, if you just really wanted to, you can use it to stir a drink. If you really wanted to, you could use this hammer to, to prop open the door. You can use this hammer as a placeholder in a book if you really wanted to. There's there's so many things that you could use this hammer for, but, but yet we know that just by looking at this hammer, just by looking, we know what this hammer was created to do. Just by looking at this hammer, we know it has a purpose and a plan for its creation. Just by looking at this hammer, we know that this hammer was created to nail nails. It was created to pull out nails. It was created to, to help wedge things in by blunt force trauma. But we know just by looking at this hammer has a purpose and a plan for its creation. Coming from its purpose, we, we know because it has been created to nail things that this hammer has been created to do something. The mission for this hammer is to Build. The purpose is to nail and the hammer, but the mission of this hammer is to build stuff like houses, to build things like decks, to build things like sanctuaries and school auditoriums. Even though its purpose is to nail, it still has to fulfill its mission in the right pair of hands. And interestingly enough, beloved, the church... the same way the same could be said about the church the the church could be used for many different things that it wasn't intended to the church can be a place for a power play where people seeking power can use the church and abuse the church in order to make much about themselves or the church could be used as as just a social club that is seeking to make people feel good about themselves and we just gather and talk about the games The church can be used and and abused by so many different people and used in so many different ways. But just because it's being used the, the wrong way doesn't mean it's fulfilling its purpose. For the church does have a purpose. And that purpose is to bring glory to Jesus Christ. The purpose of the church is to be an outpost of heaven, delivering divine goodness to those who Come around. And I say come around, not this building, but come around those who are the church. Because, beloved, this building is not the church. God's people is the church. So wherever you go, the church goes with you. And whatever you say about the church, you're talking about yourself. So whenever you say, oh, the church is, if you have followed Jesus Christ, then you're talking about yourself. But the church also has a mission. And the mission of the church is to make much of Christ by evangelizing, by, by serving, by being important to people. But understand, just because we know our purpose doesn't mean we're fulfilling our mission. In Ephesians, the third chapter, we see a little bit of our mission. Ephesians, the third chapter, beginning with verse 7. The word of God reads, of this gospel, this is Paul speaking, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, Right here, verse 10. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So what Paul is saying is that the church has a purpose, and that purpose is to reflect and to put on display God's manifold wisdom. That word simply means multifaceted. This is the same word used to describe Joseph's multicolored robe. So when it's talking about the the multifaceted wisdom of God, it's talking about the the, the multi-angle beauty of what God is doing in creation. The church is here to to show off the beauty of Jesus Christ in various aspects and and ways in which it was designed. See, the church is is one of the only organizations that it don't matter what side of the tracks you come from. If God has saved you and redeemed you, then we all stand equal at the foot of the cross. It's multifaceted because it doesn't matter your socioeconomic, your race, it it doesn't uh, uh, matter Any of that, because God is using all the differences to bring himself glory, this multifaceted wisdom. And this wisdom has always been, this has always been God's plan. uh, Since since the ages past, God has always planned to build his church, to gather a people for his own name, his own pleasure, and to put himself on display through them. That's what the church is. That is our purpose. To make God known not only is the church here to make Jesus' name known horizontally, but even from this text God is using the church to make his glory known vertically he says hey, he he has created the church to make the manifold wisdom of God known to the rulers and authorities. Here he's talking about a- angelic hosts, both good and bad, because the angel- angels are looking in, in in amazement at what God is doing. So God is using the church to show off to angels. There's a purpose, there's a, a plan, and there is a mission that God has for the church, but beloved, Beloved, there's a problem. See, because of sin, there has been a disconnection between our purpose and the mission. There's a disconnect between why God has created us and what we are doing each and every day. If God created us for his glory, we have uh, uh, a command that tells us exactly what to do. We have our marching orders. That's why James says not only be hearers of his word, but be doers of his word. Because part of understanding and fulfilling your purpose is to understand that you have a mission as well. And our mission is to go ye therefore and make disciples. We can even distill these terms of purpose and mission even further into two terms, being and doing. Being and doing, where in one aspect we are Christians, the, the, the noun tense, we, we are God's people. He has called us, those who, have, those who have repented of their sin and trusted in Jesus Christ for salvation by faith. They are Christians, they belong to Him. But yet, there's a verb sense of the Christian because not only has He called you to Himself, He's called you to do something with what He's given you. So we're not just being, we're doing, but we have created this false dichotomy of wanting to be the church but not be the church. And it's easy to to be the church sitting here on Sunday mornings, but God not only calls you to be the church on Sunday, he calls you to be the church on Monday and to be the church on Tuesday and to to be the church on Wednesday and, and Thursday and good old Friday night and Saturday night. He calls you to be the church then too where our our life is a reflection of the goodness and grace that God has bestowed upon us. And we begin to serve and to love others. That's what the church is. The church is both noun and verb. So when we talk about the churches, in, in one aspect, we are the church, God's chosen people who have been brought out of darkness into His marvelous light, but yet we are the church and the ones who are going out testifying to the goodness of Christ. We are serving others. We are being used within creation to make much of Jesus. So we are both being and doing. Beloved, the church is the culmination of Christian being and Christian doing. The church has a mission. The church has a mission, something that we are to do, and we see all throughout scripture that Jesus He sets that example for us of being the church and living out the duty of a church. All throughout the gospels, we see Jesus, He is preaching, He is proclaiming that the kingdom is here, the kingdom is near. Repent and believe because the kingdom has come. He, he's preaching the gospel of repentance of, of sins. But not only is he preaching the gospel, but he's going out and he's healing too. Jesus is teaching his disciples. Quite often, whenever he would, he would have a run in with the Pharisees, he would always come back around to his disciples and have a teaching moment. Did you y'all just see what happened? Well, this is why he's teaching, he's training. But not only is he teaching and training, but he's feeding. The 5,000 are coming in and he feeds them and he feeds his disciples and he's, he's doing all these, these wonderful acts that match up with the message that he is saying. So when we think about Christianity and we think about the church, it is both, it is both being and doing. And that's where we need to strive to keep that balance. We must keep the balance between being the church and doing. Church, because being without doing channels our inner Pharisee. If you just worried about being holy, if you just worried about uh, trying uh, your, your personal piety, if you just worried about looking a certain way, it can be so easy to become a Pharisee and start saying, Well, look at them over there. They're still in the streets. They're still ripping and running. They still don't know how to read their Bible. Look at them. They don't even know what John 3.16 is. And it's easy to stand back because you so worried about being, you ain't reached across the aisle to say, let me help you find chapter and verse. And then on the other end, we must strive to keep that balance because doing without being channels our inner pragmatists. And a, and a pragmatist says, just get the job done. It doesn't matter who doing it. It doesn't matter if they're holy or not. It doesn't matter if they love Jesus or not. Just get them in here to do a job. It doesn't matter if what we do is going to bring glory to Christ or it's going to feed the sick. It doesn't matter uh, uh, if Jesus is on display, but we just need to get the job done. And then when you become a pragmatist, it's, it's, not, it's not all about Christ. It's all about you just wanting to check off some things off your list. So we have to keep these things in balance of being the church and doing church. Last week, Jesus was showing us what it meant to be the church because he said in Matthew the 16th chapter, and I will build my church. A people set apart for his own pleasure. A people who would follow him and love and adore him. A people that he would seal with the Holy Spirit and who would mark them off and set them apart. That they would be the church in creation. That they would do church. However, this week we, we continue to set balance by talking about the mission of the church. Today we're talking about the doing. What are we doing now that we have this Mission statement. What are we doing that we know that we're supposed to be doing something? In the text here, Jesus provides extraordinary balance between being and doing. If you would, Matthew, the 28th chapter, verse 16 says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. You'll notice in the book of Matthew, the mountain was always a place of revelation. Revelation. The mountain was always a place where Jesus went to go tell somebody something that they didn't already know. He's revealing to them just what has been going on. I, I, I didn't just come just to hang out with y'all for three years. I didn't just come to, to try to show off my power, but there's an ultimate end goal in what's going on right here. And when they had saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Some they weren't sure, they was like, what is going on? But then Jesus says to them, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Jesus gives us a perfect balance of being and doing. For the next two weeks, I just want to point out three mission objectives for the church we get from this text. Three mission objectives that we get from this text. We get the objectives of the mission of the church is to make disciples for Christ. The mission of the church is to mark disciples for Christ. And then thirdly, the mission of the church is to mature Disciples for Christ. Jesus is showing us that the mission of the church is to make disciples, to mark disciples, and to mature disciples for Christ. This week, we're just going to look at what it means to make disciples for Christ. What does it mean to make disciples for Christ? Well, first thing that we see in the text of verse 18, you can't make disciples unless you get authority to do so. And Jesus, rising from the grave, he comes and he's getting ready to ascend, and he helps them understand that that the message that they are are given to share ain't no ordinary message. This is not an ordinary man who has given you this message, but he says, "All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me because Jesus has all authority." We can go make disciples. That means Jesus is giving us a command. He has commanded us and commissioned us to go and make disciples. Making disciples begins with authority. Before we go out with a message, we, we, we go out knowing that Jesus wants me to do this. There's no question. We don't, we don't have to try to figure out what did he say? Well, what does he want me to do? No, he says all authority has been given to me, and I'm telling you, this is what I want you to do. And because I'm the one in charge, you don't get to make up the rules for this. You don't get to uh, uh, do it or not. This this is not an optional decree. Because I have all authority. When he says all authority, he says, I have authority over the nations. I have authority over nature. I have authority over disease and death. I have all authority. There's nothing that can stand up to me or stop me. And because I have all authority, if there's anyone that you should be obeying, that is me. Those are our marching orders. Because he has authority, he he tells us and commands us to go and make disciples. Disciples, what is this word, disciples? This word simply means a learner or follower. A technical definition, if you like, to make disciples means to initiate or instruct a disciple in the ways or teachings of a specific teacher or leader. To make disciples means to initiate or instruct a disciple in the ways or teachings of a specific teacher or leader. I say that one more time to initiate or instruct a disciple in the ways or teachings of a specific teacher or leader. In other words, to make a disciple is to, to call someone to follow Jesus. That's what it means to make a disciple, to influence someone in such a way that they would repent of their sin, turn from living for themselves, turn towards Jesus, and then follow him for the rest of their lives. That's what it means to make a disciple. To make a disciple means we have to have intentional engagement. Of the lost. God is calling each and every one of us to use our sphere of influence to make disciples. But notice what the text doesn't say. The text doesn't say to make your disciples, the text doesn't say we want to create them in the image of us. No, we are to make Jesus, Jesus's disciples. Notice that the text doesn't say to make disciples of Forest Baptist Church. No, we don't want we don't want people's allegiances to us. We don't want people's allegiances to the church because there, there's going to be times where I fall and I fail. We don't want people to be uh, have their allegiances to the church because the church will fall and the church will fail and, and people are going to do some stupid stuff sometimes. So we don't put our faith and trust in people, but we place our faith and trust in the Savior who is risen indeed, Jesus the Christ. We are making Jesus' Jesus's disciples. And beloved, the reason why we do this it's not out of love for ourselves, but out of love for Christ. We make disciples because we love Jesus. We make disciples because we know that he has paid a sin debt that we could never repay. We make disciples of, of Christ because, because of the love that was bestowed upon us. We want to show that love to someone else. But beloved, not only do we do it out of love, we make disciples out of obedience you know, we, we do it just because Jesus said so. You know how it was growing up. Go make up that bed and go wash the dishes and go cut the lawn. And, and, and if the child dares say, well, why I have to do that? Now, I'm not agreeing with this all the time. But when it comes with Jesus, because he said so is good enough. We don't got to question this. We make disciples because Jesus said so. So what does this mean? Just a couple of points I want to draw from the text. And the first thing I want to draw out is we make disciples with a great message. We make disciples with a great message. Look at verse 19. The text simply says, go, therefore, I'll stop right there. Go, therefore. He is saying go because I have all authority because I have revealed myself to you. You, you, you are to go. And what does Jesus want us to do when we go? When when we go anywhere, wherever our sphere of influence is, Jesus wants us to be preaching and teaching the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. That's what he wants us to do. So as we are going, this 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 word, it just it, it has the the, the 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 tense that we are going as you are going through life. You are to be making disciples. So don't, don't wait for that, that third Saturday of the month that the church go out into the community to evangelize. He, he's saying as you go to work, as you go to school, as you go to the games, as you go to the, uh, to the gym, as you are going through your life, if you belong to me, you need to be proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. How do we know this? Let's walk through a few passages of scripture to see what happens and why we are to to proclaim the gospel. Turn with me to Mark, the 16th chapter. The gospel of Mark, the 16th chapter, beginning with verse 15. And it says, And he said to them, This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Go into all the world and do what? Proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Turn with me to the gospel of Luke. Just one book over. Luke, the 24th chapter. beginning with verse 44. Luke, the 24th chapter, beginning with verse 44, and it says, then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me and the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. I love verse 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. You know you need Jesus to open up your mind To understand the scriptures Let us not be so arrogant To think we could just show up in front of the Bible And read it and understand We read the Bible with Dependence upon the Holy Spirit To bring illumination And Jesus he He opens their minds That's another thing Don't think you so sweet that you just get it It's by grace That Jesus even opened up Your mind. I think about my thick skull and my lack of understanding. It's by grace. When you understand anything, don't take for granted that you understand that Jesus died for your sins. It's by grace that he opens up your minds to the scriptures. Verse 46, and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer. And on the third day, rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. And he says, you are witnesses of these things. Lastly, turn with me to the book of Acts. The book of Acts, the 14th chapter. The 14th chapter and the 21st verse. And we see here, talking about Paul and Barnabas. Now, now, Paul had just been stoned. He was laying on the street dead. Dead. But he said, they dragged him out the city, they stoned him. But I like to say, but when the disciples gathered about him, who? Some of y'all in some dead situations right now and need some disciples to gather around you. But you're too stubborn and hard headed to, to call out for some help. You in a dead situation. Ain't no life there. And you need God's people to come around you. And it said the disciples gathered around him. And he rose and entered the city on the next day. He went went on with Barnabas to Derby. Verse 21 when they had watched well, this preach the gospel to that city, and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and to Antioch. When Jesus says go, he doesn't say go and make much of your name. When he says go, he doesn't say go make much of the Forest Baptist name. He says when you go, you need to make much of me by proclaiming the gospel. The good news that Jesus Christ alone saves. We have to be careful because a lot of times we go and we preach moralism. We preach moral modification. Well, you know, you shouldn't be doing this and you shouldn't be doing that and you should be here. And that ain't the gospel. See, the gospel says, I I know you ain't doing what you should have been doing. The gospel says "And you in a mess because you've been hanging out with the wrong kind of folks. And the gospel says, I I know you ain't up to no good and you've never been up to no good. See, But God has sent his son that in spite of all your mess, in spite of all your foolishness, he will will redeem and save you when you repent, when you turn. You can't can't keep meddling in it. You can't keep fooling with it. You got to turn and by faith trust that he has accomplished what he said he would accomplish. And on the cross he said, it is finished and everything is completed in him for him and by him we don't preach get better you can't get better if left to yourself you would have never got better if left to yourself you wouldn't have walked up in here this morning If left to yourself, you wouldn't have read your Sunday school book this week. If left to yourself, you would have been deep down and in despair. You would have been toe up from the flow up, too drunk for anybody to know what's going on. If it had been you leaning on yourself, where would you be? But God stepped in. Moralism don't hold you. Because you can't get better. You can't do better. You have a dead heart that doesn't love Jesus. And it's only when the Holy Spirit reaches down and saves a wretch like you and, and, and takes out that dead heart and gives you a new heart. That's the only time we can even think about obeying Jesus. We don't save ourselves. the message we preach that though you are lost and dead and trespasses and sin I know a man who gives life I know a man who brings healing I, I, I know a man who's able to bring deliverance I, I know a man who is able to heal your broken heart mend all your wounds I know a man and he's, he's not from here but he's from heaven above but this man, he traveled down 42 and a half generations. And he came through Mary and he lived a life that you could not live. And he, he died the death that you deserve because you are a wretch and condemnation was on your head. But Jesus stepped in. And they hung him high. And they stretched him wide. And they pierced him in the side. And on the cross, he, he bore your sins. And, it's by, and then they, they buried him in the tomb and took your sins with him. And we preach a gospel that's resurrected. We don't, we don't lead Jesus in the grave, do we? Because had he not got up, Paul says if, if Jesus had not get up, oh, where would we be? But we preach a, a Christ crucified but a Christ resurrected. And because we serve a living Savior, it's out. I love that song, because he lives, I can face tomorrow, because he lives, oh, because he lives, I I can face situation and circumstance, because my savior is risen, I can deal with doubt and depression, I don't serve a dead savior, I, I serve a risen savior who's on high right now. That's the gospel we preach So stop telling folks Try to, to fix themselves You tell them you can't fix yourself you, you need Jesus Just tell them Just look at them You want to say something Cross across your, oh Lord have mercy You need Jesus They just need Jesus You can't blame a pagan for being a pagan. A sinner gonna do what sinners does. They is what they is, right? We was what we was, wasn't we? When you was in your filth and mess, it didn't matter what nobody said to you. They tell you all to do right, you just say, I ain't gonna listen, I'm gonna keep doing wrong. You think one day you just woke up, like, oh, that's a great idea. I think I will stop running the streets. I think I will stop running around. I think I, no, it was God's grace that gave you life. We preach and teach a message of repentance. Not just faith. There's two sides to that coin. See, we like to tell people you need Jesus, but we don't tell them they need to repent. A lot of times we try, we, we lay out the gospel like, like it's a, it's a Boy Scout, Cub Scout badge. Like you, you can just add Jesus to your life and it'll get a whole lot better. Well, you just need to add, Jesus. You no, know, you need to turn from your sin. You need to agree with God about how he feels about your sin And when you're able to humble yourself and go low and actually admit that you're doing wrong, he will lift you up. Repentance and faith. And beloved Jesus, Jesus' command is not just to Peter. His command is to all his disciples. So this ain't a message that just the pastor preaches. This is a message that we all preach. We preach Christ crucified. Then when we confess with our words, when we witness with our words, then we witness with our walk. Because Jesus is concerned with both word and deed. That means scripture tells us that we can't just talk the talk. We got to walk the walk. This is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11:1, uh, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul's not saying I got it all together, but I know someone who does. And if you follow me, you're going to follow him. Because I, I'm tying my life to Jesus Christ. I'm not tying my life to moralism. I'm not trying to have a get-rich-quick scheme, fix it now. I'm, I'm following Jesus for the long haul. If, and if you want to know what Christ is, just follow me. And our lives has to match our lips. We're destroying our witness in the world because we say one thing and we live another way. We say we love Jesus, but I'll cuss you out in a second. I say we say we love Jesus, but we, we act just like everyone else. And what kind of witness is that? Why would I want to believe that? Well, you know I'm a usher at the church, for real. Pass that blunt. Okay, here you go. Well, you know I got choir rehearsal. Well, I guess we better leave the club early tonight. What kind of witness do we have? If we're Jesus' blood-bought bride, Shouldn't we have some type of purity to our walk, some type of purity to our talk. Jesus wants us to lift him up. See, when we walk pure, people don't see me. They see Christ. And when our witness is weak, they don't see Jesus. They see a fallen sinner. And then they start talking about all the hypocrites in the church. And And then we have this terrible name. But guess what? Jesus still says in the gates of hell won't prevail. I know all of them is messed up. I know all of them is jacked up. I knew, when I, I knew them when I married them. I knew them when I called them. That's the mystery, right? How is Christ using foolish people from different ethnic regions, Jew and Gentile, rich and poor, who are messed up on the inside? Of, how is Christ? The angels are looking in.